0: Yeah, this morning I really want to share on um, washing your feet. And uh, I want to go from the, just look at that story where Jesus washed people's feet, washed the disciples' feet, and just to learn from it. There's be another message that comes through there more strongly than the, the, the humility of sitting and washing someone's feet, and to understand the, the times that they, that they lived in, and, and the situation. We went to Israel in end of 2019, December 2019. We were there for the first time in our lives, and really gave us a good understanding. Vion, it's always good to see your happy face. Um, we've gone many years together. And uh, just, yeah, just to you get a, such an incredible grasp of um, the Scriptures and how they lived in those times. And the, you see the houses that they lived in. It was very primitive. And it's a dusty country. It's a... It's a yeah, it's dusty, and so those days they would have worn robes, they would have worn sandals, and uh, to bath, they're quite into bathing there. They had those little, what they call those little baths everywhere? Um, so cleanliness is quite a big thing. Pardon? Ritual baths, yeah. And, um, and so they understood that you bath, you bathe your body, um, but then you've got to walk somewhere and you get dusty feet. And so if you came to someone's house, there would be a servant who would wash your feet just so that you would be clean in that area of your, of your body, but you didn't wash the whole body. But, so let's read that scripture if we can in John 13, verse 1 to 17. Um, can you all see there if I stand here? It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. That's a key scripture that. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath... Needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean, Judas. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So what what that scripture is actually saying is not just about washing feet. It's an illustration and a picture of how we walk and journey in this day, and, and that I've, I've tried to figure out a title for this word: uh, walking in the lights, washing your feet, uh, walking in relationship. But it comes down to relationship, I suppose, of the relationship that we walk in with the Lord every day, and our position. Who are we today? Sitting here, I would trust that most people are born again believers here, and know the Lord Jesus in their hearts and have been washed. In their whole bodies and that's what he's saying that you are washed you are clean but there's a daily journey today we've got a journey to do by the end of the day we would have completed another day in walking with the Lord Jesus by his will and tomorrow is another day and so what is our position right now in Christ we are washed we are clean the body is clean Um, if in John 15 verse 3 if you can put that up um, he says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So if you're born again right now, if you've given your life to Jesus, surrendered your life to Jesus, you've confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you are clean. You're a holy people. You're a righteous people. You're in right standing with God. That's what righteous people are. They've now got a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And they can walk from that place. But... Daily, you will, will probably make mistakes. You will sin in your heart and your actions. And there will be things that you need to sort out on a daily basis with the Lord. It does not mean that you lose your salvation because you sin. Even if you sinned five minutes before you die, and you go into eternity in that condition, you are still very much born again and saved. See, it's not a, we, You see, there's the judicial side... And there's the relationship side we've got to look at. If you walk in judicial understanding of, you know, because Jesus appeared before the, the Father and he took away our sins uh, by his death. And I'm saying appeared, he, he went through, he was obedient to the Father and he took away our sins. We were washed clean. But if you live your life in a judicial form, like, like he's just your judge as opposed to He's your father, you're going to miss the heart and the beauty of walking in this life with God. And there's a false teaching going around, and I'll name the guy because as a church, we have done Matthew 18. The Bible says, if you see your brother sin, show him your sin. If he, if he doesn't listen, take it to witness. If he doesn't listen, take, bring it to the church. And it says, the church, whatever the church binds on earth, will be bound in heaven. And so there's one particular Bible teacher that we have named. We've written to him as per Matthew 18, so we can stand here and speak plainly because a lot of what he's teaching is actually quite good. But it sounds a lot of elements. The actual heart of it is not so good. Uh, it's Joseph Prince-type teachings, uh, which has got an extreme. Uh, f- it's a false understanding of grace message. It is a grace message. We believe in the grace message. We believe that we are saved by, by grace, not by works. Um, but they've they've made some very hard statements. That whole type of teaching movement. Um, that once you are born again. You never have to confess your sins ever again. You never have to, because you, you, all your past sins are, you say from your past, your present, and your future sins is their statement that they make. And there's some truth in that. I am safe from my future sins, but I've got to walk in a place of, of relationship with God. That's why the disciples said, even Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, this is how you pray. Your Father is in heaven. I always think of the old King James Version. That's how we were trained at school. Um... And he says, forgive us our daily sins. Now, he didn't say, by the way, guys, this prayer, it, it, it falls away in three years' time when I go to the cross and it's all over. You know, then salvation will come in a different form. Um, he didn't nullify that because he, at those, that point, the disciples were clean. The disciples never had a born-again experience post the cross. He says, I've spoken to you. You are clean because you believed in me. See, salvation is not by confessing your sins. And we're going to look at 1 John 1, 1.9 in a moment, because they nullify that scripture in this particular teaching movement. Um, you don't get born again by confessing your sins. You get born again by confessing Jesus, Lord. You don't, okay, who wants to give life to Jesus? Right, come here, now confess all your sins. I can't even remember all my sins that I did before I was saved. I don't know about you. And we'll be at for hours, days on end, trying to confess all my sins. You don't get born again by confessing your sins. You get born again by believing that Jesus is Lord and confessing him. Romans 10. Uh, and, and uh, well, let's just, Let me just backtrack a wee bit. Um, so our condition right now, if we look at Hebrews 10, um, 19 to 23. Um, Therefore, brothers, since we have conf- confidence to enter the most holy place. Now remember, only the high priest could do this. But now we can actually, all of us sitting here, can enter the most holy place, which is relationship with the Father and coming into his presence. We're doing it right now by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful we can approach god boldly with this morning because we can come into his presence because of what jesus did we can have such an incredible relationship and i find so many christians walk in a stunted relationship they don't walk in the full freedom of what jesus called them into and i'll quickly give a little illustration of that um The First World War was from 1914 to 1918, and the British Army was considered one of the best armies in that war. They did really well, but they'd learned a hard lesson to be well and to do well, and likewise, it applies to us as Christians. We need to learn lessons so that we can do well in going into the future and not be held back by wrong understanding of our position in Christ. But the price they paid was during the war in South Africa, the British. When they came out here in 1899, well they were already here, as a, but they brought, that, the, the war went into full scale level in 1899, the, the so-called Anglo-Boer War, to 1902. They got such a hiding from the Boers. Um, every battle they went into, they were, they just, they were taken out. Their troops, 50% of their troops were physically unfit. They just were such weak little guys from overseas. They just couldn't handle the the heat and the you know they called Roynecks because they got suntanned of an, not on a good nature, um, and they couldn't shoot. They were given like, given like a handful of bullets a year to shoot with and to train. So they came out. They literally couldn't shoot straight. They were useless as an army. They got better over the time, but they, they came away with they did eventually win the war through very bad means. Um, through the concentration camps and things like that. That wasn't the right way to win a war. But um, they, they learned a hard lesson there. And they said, if we, if we don't change, we're going to get taken out again. Because we're going to come up against an enemy who's going to be smart, who's going to be good. We better learn from this. And that's the lesson we learned from that picture, that story of the, of the British Army, who did then excel in 1914, um, is that as Christians, we need to learn. We need to get freedom. We need to get breakthrough as believers. And I'm a pastor. I deal with people all day. That's what I deal now. I used to deal with engineering, and I'm actually a qualified helicopter mechanic by trade. And so I've done the physical, tangible world. But I work with people now. And daily, I come into contact with people who are not walking in freedom in Christ. They don't understand their position in Jesus. And so the enemy comes and messes with their minds and says, and, and that's why... Joseph Prince type teachings appeal to people who are stuck in legalism and, and religiosity and, and uh, they, they're bound but they don't know it. It's a blindness, a deception. The devil would love to keep God's people in a weak state. Shooting the missing. Don't know how to shoot straight. Um, weak, getting sunburnt. Uh, the Roy Necker of the Christian world. And that is ineffective as Christians and Christians. You come on a Sunday, you go, you go on a Wednesday night, but n- your life is not walking in the freedom that Jesus bought for you. He wants his people to walk in freedom. He doesn't want them bound up and caught in, in things of this world. The teaching that, that was brought about, finance even. That's just a reflection of our hearts. I really believe, that's why I, I want to teach first before the worship, that we can go into a place of worship and we can, in that place, come before our King. Come before our God who loves us. Come boldly into his presence. Not arrogantly, but boldly. And knowing that sometimes we need to wash our feet. Sometimes we just need to wash our feet. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You're, there are things in all of our lives. There's no one here that that's, that's, that's walks perfectly. It's this funny... A strange mystery. The Bible talks about the church as a mystery and the relationship with, the, with Jesus. It's a mystery it's in Ephesians 5 and, and other scriptures. It's, it's an, a marvelous thing. It's a beautiful thing, this mystery. And God is wanting His people to walk in a freedom that, that, that the enemy would like to rob them. The enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And we always think in terms of physical. You He know, robs us financially, he robs us physically, physical problems. But the worst thing you can rob us is, the, is our walk in Jesus and walking in the fullness of God, what He's called you into in this life. And He gets you in guilt and shame. And that's why these, often these teachings are in reaction to that. And, and people do find freedom in it because a lot of it, there's a lot of truth. When you, talk, when you suddenly discover the grace of God and the love of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of sins, it's a beautiful thing to discover, but if you take it too far, then it becomes sour. Um, and not helpful. Um, One Corinthians six verse nine and uh, nine two eleven. Sorry. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed. You are sanctified, it means set apart. You are justified, just as you've never sinned ever. You're washed clean in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. God washed us, Jesus washed them. He said, your bodies are clean to his disciples. He says, the Word spoken to you, I am the word. He says, I am the word, I am the truth, I am the reign of the Logos. I am the word and I've washed you clean, you're a clean people. But daily, just come to me and come for a, a foot washing. And we've got to learn that. So we've got to distinguish between, see, the judicial side is, there was a, there was a judge, the father, judging. And r- the wrath of God is, is remaining on those who will not receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This world is the closest that the unsaved will ever come to heaven. And it's the closest that the saved will ever come to hell this is a wicked world. The Bible says the devil's got a a, a partial power. The devil can have influence. He can have power. God's allowed him to do that. God is still ultimately in control. But the devil can come and rob, kill, and destroy still. If you allow him to. But I want to say this morning, let's take back the ground. Let's advance the kingdom on our own lives. The kingdom is within you. Nobody can force you to do that. It's up to you to make that choice. Say, Lord. I've had enough. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the living God. If there's any sin in my life, God, shine that light. There's big lights here. I don't know if you ever turn them on and light up the poor person who's speaking. But um, <laughs> now, let, let the, don't be scared of, of letting God shine His light on you. Don't be, don't be afraid of letting that darkness be, be revealed. And because I'd love to encourage every one of us to walk. In a place of accountability with someone, someone that you can go and talk to, and speak about your life, things that you're struggling with, your innermost things. The worst thing is to think that, man, if I just tell people the sin that I'm struggling with, they're going to reject me. They're going to turn away from me and think you disgusting person. You, how dare you do this? And I can't believe that you like that. When the, actually the opposite is true, because when conviction comes and we realise that, hey, I, I need a foot washing, it should make us run to Jesus. Not run from him. Knowing that he's safe. Knowing that we are safe. Knowing that we can come to each other and say, I've just got this in my life. I want to confess it. I want a foot washing. I need a foot washing right now. I've got two men in my life who I go to. If I'm struggling with something personally, it's all very well been accountable about moving house and changing jobs and buying a car. That's, that's, That's just of this world. But the hard things, the things that we struggle with in our minds, the things that we struggle with in our emotions, the things that we, we, we struggle and wrestle with, with it, we need to have someone we can go to and just say, man, can I just come and talk to you? You don't have to give me all the answers. I just want someone to talk to, someone I can just open my heart up to and, and know that I'm safe, that you won't reject me, that I'm safe with you. Are, are you safe? Can people come to you and open up and just say, can I just talk to you? Can I just want someone just to speak to you? And that you can just say, yeah, go for it, man. Tell me how you're doing. And it stays here. If it's a sin issue that, you know, that you're committing adultery, that's, that's different. That we do need to take that further because there's other people involved now. It could harm the church. It could harm other relationships. That we have to do skillfully, though. Skillfully. Need to know basis. But it's so important that we walk in that freedom. Jesus came to buy, buy our freedom and to walk, for us to walk in that freedom. So separate the judicial forgiveness of being born again. When you get saved, you confess Jesus Lord. That's the ju- judicial side. That's, the, that's where you're set free. But then the relational side. Daily we walk with, with the Lord in relationship with Him. And it's so precious and we need to guard it and keep it in a, a clean place. Romans, yeah, I did mention uh, salvation is John 3.16, the famous well-known scripture. Do you want to put up John 3.16? For God so loved the world, loved, it was an expression of, at that time, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the believer is not just a mental believing it is obviously a revelation an understanding of, oh, Jesus is Lord. He came to pay the, the price for my sins. But that believing, I love the, the, word, the way the words opened up in the Greek. It means to adhere to, to cling to, to hold on to. It's not just, yeah, I believe, because the Bible says even the devil believes and shudders at the thought. The devil believes there's a God, but he shudders at the thought of this God, this holy God. So the believing's got to, in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? An eternal hell, eternal damnation, eternal wrath of God. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Very important that. So that, that should settle us in our position of who we are in Christ Jesus. But there's a cleansing and an ongoing cleansing that the Bible speaks about. Um, it's not a one off action. Uh, okay, so sinners believe, believe and, and saints confess. Confess continues, it's a present action, it's a continuous thing. We even see in James 5 13 to 16 that uh, James 5 is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? So, rhetorical question: You don't have have to answer, but do you have someone that you can go to and confess the sins that you you struggle with? And don't look for sins, okay? Don't don't dig around and be so sin conscious, and you know, because some of the accusations against uh, the Joseph Prince type uh, message will say this is a Pharisee church because you sin managers, and uh, they say just 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 declare your righteousness, don't declare your sin. Well, we just read there. Declare your sin. And they say, don't ever confess your sins. We read there, it says, confess your sins. Um, and so, this should be a place where you can confess. And, you know, people just sometimes sit with me. We go out to a coffee or something, and they, they say, what am I doing wrong? You know, tell me, is there anything in my life that you see that are... And most times, I can say, man, I can't see anything in your life. I've got to be honest, I'm not Superman, you know. Um, yes, the Lord does show me stuff, and from time to time, and I, am, I can pick up spiritually... But I don't want to be so sin conscious all the time. I don't know about you. But I don't want to just focus on sin all the time and, you know, what are you doing wrong? I want to focus on, yes, the righteousness of God and who you are and speak life over you. Speak blessing over you. Speak the favor of God over you. That's the message that we proclaim. We are. in Jesus, I mean, he loves us. He, he wants the best for us. All things are, are for our best and for our good. Even the laws that, the, that were brought, it wasn't like God said, I'm going to make up a whole lot of laws and then I'm going to create a people so they can uh, obey my laws, you know. It's the other way around. The laws, everything was created for us to, to live a holy and righteous life. God is not this angry God. You know, sometimes guys think the Old Testament God was angry and then the New Testament he suddenly took Prozac or something and now he's happy, you know. Um, it's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The Old Testament teaches us so much about God's nature and who he is. Even in the Old Testament, suddenly that scripture has popped into my mind. I think it's in Ezekiel, which says, oh, Israel, Israel, why do you choose death? Like God pleading. I could just imagine if God, you know, tears, well, God can cry. Jesus cried. Um, Jesus, I'm sure the Lord aches over humanity as he watches humanity. He says, oh, Israel, why do you choose death? Why? Why? And if God watches his people, my people, my precious people, why do you choose death? Why do you choose to live in captivity? I've come to set captives free. i come to break the power of the devil over you. Not just for salvation. I've got my ticket. I'm going to heaven. No, in this life, he wants us to be victorious. No matter what the circumstances. Your circumstances do not dictate how you live this life. We're not led by emotions. We're led by truth. And God is... I mean, Jenny and I have had to live that out in the last... Year and a half more, another level. A year year and a half ago, I was I'd, the beta COVID, where I was I was in hospital, ICU, and you, you get a welcome to the ICU ward. You know, welcome to the ICU ward. You either going home to be with Jesus, or you might go home to your family. People next to me both died. And it was a hectic time. It was a war zone. People were dying. It was it was very really bad. I was told say goodbye, and. Prayer brought me through. I thank the medical field, I thank the doctors, I did great. But I really believe prayer brought me through. The power of prayer, as we see there. People were praying, and I've got a I've got these grandsons I call them. Um they're fifteen and seventeen. They're both the fifteen year olds up here, and so is the seventeen year old. Their father was a Stormers rugby player, Monet Fandamova. And Monet got a brain, brain tumor at age thirty seven and 2011, and he died in 2013 at the age of 39. And I stood next to his bed and said, Monet, we'll raise your sons. They were six and eight when he died. I said, you can go to be with the Lord. He was fighting and to stay alive. And we raised his sons. We participated in that, in that raising of these boys. And Joshua, the older boy, he's 17 now. Um, he and I are particularly close. And he phoned me well, during the COVID, um, but he phoned and he said, Uncle, just crying on the phone. Uncle Russell, I prayed for God. I beg God for your life. You're my only grandfather I've got left. I beg God. I'm not biological, spiritual. I said, Josh. And last year I said to him, Josh, I think your prayers, God heard your prayers. I'll, in, in eternity, I will tell. But I think God heard your prayers. The prayer of we, you see. We, but I'm here. God wants me to stay alive. And then a few weeks ago, I've been diagnosed now with cancer. I got to go for an operation. And in two weeks time I'm here in Durbanville Medical Clinic a week 's time um, i don 't know much longer the Lord wants to keep us alive, and but in all that we praise Him, we worship him don 't understand, but god you 're on the throne we mustn 't be robbed don 't allow God to rob you of the calling on your life of your and not your what you can do in the church, but your relationship with Him. You see, from relationship comes it 's just an overflow of what God wants to do through your life. if you aim for ministry and aim for things and aim for happiness and it's a wrong thing to aim for. Aim for a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Just to walk in that relationship. Lord, do I need foot washing today? Just help me, Lord. And we don't come in groveling on the floor. We come in, the says, boldly to him. Because he's my dad. He loves me. He loves seeing you. He loves spending time with you. He, he loves your presence. He loves you just to cry out to him. Most of us here look like could be parents, or you might be parents at some stage. You know how would you like it if your child ran for something else instead of coming to you for help? You know, Dad, I'll just go and take this over here. I don't need you." Or, mom." But a father, that's why if we run for other things and look for other things in this world to bring us joy and to bring us contentment, we're going to get robbed of a relationship that God wants with us. One Peter one, we're coming down to land. Slowly but surely. 1 Peter 1, um, from 13, I said that, yeah. We're reading a lot of scripture, hey. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, okay? Prepare your minds for action. You do it. Something that you've got to do. Be self controlled. You've got to do it. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you. You've got to do that. You've got to set your hope when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. From the empty way of life. Handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. But was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God. Who raised him from the dead. And glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves, okay, you've got to do it by presenting yourselves. You can't actually do the purification. God does that. But presenting yourself and and being self-controlled in the things we read earlier, you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living An enduring word of God. You purify yourself. This morning when we're going to worship, you purify yourself. You know, God's going to do it, but you do it. It This whole walk with the Lord Jesus is one of participation. It's not one of passivity. We just, okay, God, whatever. I'm just waiting. You do it. No, it's coming before him An active. It's an active thing, presenting yourself, saying, Lord, here I am. Many of your minds might be spinning now with the problems and the troubles of this world. But you've got to be self-controlled. You've got to take captive thoughts. You've got to discipline your mind. I know, I my wife, I'm working hard on that right now. My mind's spinning, you know. Cancer, all this type of thing. You always think it happens to somebody else. Suddenly it happens to you and things are different. And so my mind is spinning, but I've got to keep self-control. Lord, fix my eyes on you. You are my author, the author and perfecter of my faith. You are the one who brings me into freedom. And then 2 Peter 3, 10 to 14. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming, we can actually do something in terms of that date it looks like from Scripture by our actions, by presenting ourselves, by participating in God's plan. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with His promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Isn't that exciting? That's home, eh? You guys write home things. You, they, they sell houses and they write a description of a house and, and they want you to buy into that, that dream of that house. It could be yours. How about this house, eh? How about that? Wouldn't you, wanna, you couldn't do a better job than that of writing. a. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, I'm looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Make every effort. We are allowed to make some effort, okay? Christians, this day and age, get so frightened about anything that has got the word works or effort or strive or what. no, no, I'm saved by grace. There's no effort. Of course, man, we we're, we're not talking about body washing. We're talking about foot washing here. There's no, you can do nothing for the body wash. That's totally of God. God, Jesus said, "I have done it. I have spoken a word over you. I have made you clean. You believed who I am, my disciples." You believed, I have made you clean. But now, wash your feet. He says, this will become real to you. He said in that verse 7, This doesn't make sense now, but it will make sense one day. And we can read 1 John 1, 9. Um, well, from uh, verse 5, I think it is. I don't think I actually gave you that scripture, or did I? i I give it to you? Wow, well, there we go. 1 John and this was all scriptures written to Christians, by the way, because the Joseph Prince guy said, "Now this is written to the Gnostics. The Gnostics hadn't even, majority of Bible scholars said that the Gnostics didn't even exist in this time. The type of heresy they were speaking was starting. Um, so the heresy they were dealing with in the scripture was one of that you, you don't need to confess sins, um, you're all perfect, God sees you as perfect, so, and it speaks later that they were not of us, they left us, because these guys brought in a false teaching, they were heretics, so this is a, addressing, a, he's addressing a heresy here, and, the, and the, the context is very clear, he says brothers, he talks to us, he doesn't say you, he just says, You, know, you need to confess. In other words, you need to, because they're saying this, this is written to the Gnostics and for them to get saved and born again. But like I said earlier, you don't confess your sins to get saved. You confess Jesus, Lord. Very big difference. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. So it's very important that we're addressing this morning that if you claim to be a believer and walking in the light, but you're holding things in the darkness, you're going to damage the relationship with God. You're still in Him. You're still His son and daughter, but the relationship will be... It's a foot-washing moment. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship. Bring everything to the light. We have fellowship. It uncontaminates us. It makes us able to walk in the light. And the blood of Jesus, His Son purifies us from all sin. That's amazing. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, okay, and that word confess is ongoing in the Greek context. It's not a one-off moment, like a salvation moment. It's a continuous process, present and continuous. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's defending us all the time. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So that's a lovely way God's brought us. Not only does he forgive, but he cleanses us. Did I read it all? Yeah. That's a a wonderful promise that God gives us of not only just saying, you're forgiven. And forgiveness is instantaneous. It's amazing as Christians even, when we sinned and we we ask God for forgiveness, we often put a time period on us of uh, of, uh, punishment, Um, you know, you sort of, your head's down, you feel dirty, you've confessed it. The Lord says, now I'll remember your sin no more, but we remember it, and we feel dirty. I've had people phone me in uh, like on a Sunday morning and say, last night I sinned, I did this, sexual act maybe. And they bring it forward, which is wonderful, that, they, that God speaking to the Holy Spirit, Jesus, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He will lead you in all truth. He'll remind you of the truth, and He will lead you into truth. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us, said, that was wrong. That was that was a foot that was dirty feet. So we confess, Bible says, confess your sins one to another. We we get on the phone, we go and see someone, whatever we need to do, it applies to all of us. All of us. And we say, man, I just gotta confess this. Because our our sideways relationship is very dependent, it's very Connected to the vertical relationship. 1 John 4.20 says, How can you love your brother who you can see if you can't love... Uh, so you, How can you love God who you can't see if you can't love your brother who you can see? So there's very much, this relationship is very much demonstrated and worked out this way. That's why we're called to be part of a body. We're not called to work in isolation. Very, un- very unbiblical, that. And when guys me on a Sunday morning, or I, I, I did this last night, you know, masturbation or whatever it was, um, I feel dirty. I feel unclean. Um, I say, you, you've, you've confessed it now. You've confessed to the Lord, most important. The Bible says, confess one to another. You've done that. Are you, do you feel that you could go on the street right now and tell someone about Jesus? No, I feel dirty. Well, that's wrong. Because the Bible says, you're clean. He's washed you clean. You're pure. You're back to pure now. Feet washed. When you finish washing feet, they, they, they line up with the rest of the body. The body's clean, now the feet are clean, you're all clean. You don't walk out with dirty feet, you walk out with clean feet. And so when God washes you, when you confess your sins, the devil will come and he works here in the mind. Okay, He wants to keep you trapped. You're a dirty, rotten sinner. Yeah, Jesus forgives you and all that, but you're still dirty. Just you remember that. Just you stay in your place. Go sit at the back of the church. Just keep quiet, keep your head down, don't act all holy now. No, you're a holy person, and I love seeing it when God releases these people. When God's people are set free, their heads are up again, ah, breathing heavenly air. I'm free. Devil, you're a liar. I'm a very. I got to be careful. I used to introduce uh, Vion. We went around Namibia once, and I, and he had done a lot of stuff with evangelism and digger loaders and stuff, and and I kept introducing him to Afrikaans people. I say, "Is buy a sample." Um, I'm, in English, that means you're just down to earth. But I learned the proper word is Ian Fodach. Yeah, uh, they all looked at him. Shame, shame. Um. But I'm an Ian Fodach guy. I just talk to the devil. I hey, devil, take your lies and go. I'm not. I, I don't know how to complicate things. I'm not clever enough to do that. The devil has a go at me. Devil, take your lies now. Take your depression now. In the name of Jesus, you take it and you go. Take your lies and go in the name of Jesus. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. But you must submit to God first. Go to him. Confess. That's the submitting to God part. It's getting it out. It's like, whew, okay. Because the devil works in shadows and darkness and shame and guilt. There's people here who have got a bit of guilt and shame and, and, and just thinking, mm, if you guys knew about this, you wouldn't want me here. The thing, I've heard the most unbelievable stories. There's people who've told me stories in this room. The stories don't come close to some of the other stories I've heard. Nothing. The stories I've heard are unbelievable. You can't believe It's like science fiction. It's like crazy stuff I've heard. You've been in pastoring. you, You see the underbelly of life. And you hear stories that people don't normally hear. You think this can't be true. No, they're true. But God can clean and redeem and set free even those people. Every one of us. Clean feet. Galatians six verse one uh, Genesis reminded me of that scripture where it says, If you see someone sinning, those of you who are mature, on some translations say those of you who are spiritual, go and speak to them about their sin. But bear in mind that you yourself could but yeah, here we go. Brothers, oh, you guys are sharp here. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted, okay? That's the two, the mature people. They've got to be careful. And they've got to go and speak to someone who may be caught in sin. Say, my brother, my sister, he's got to speak to you about this thing gently. You go gently. He's not condemning. Restore him gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. There's, there's, a, there's an enemy prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The heart of God is to restore gently. We're going to go into a time of worship now. I know the musicians are ready. But let's, let's not just sing songs. We can easily do that, eh? I think this is a holy moment right now of God speaking and putting His finger on captives, those who are in captivity. And let's, let this be a freedom moment, a freedom of God coming and setting us free, of a confidence to approach the throne boldly, Say, Lord, you will receive me. And as God's people that we would res- we'd respond well to one another if, we hear, if they come and confess to us. That we'd be mature and, and handle that situation carefully. It's someone's life that you're dealing with. You could hurt them very badly if you gossip about it outside of that context. Um, so they come in to share something with you. Like I said, but there's a, you must be careful though. If someone comes and says, hey, I'm a, I want to tell you something, but you promise you won't tell anyone else. You must never make that promise. Because if they then say, you promise, you make that promise. Then they say, oh, by the way, I'm a pedophile. Whoa, that's a crime now. That's children affected here amongst us. That's different. So you say, uh, it's gonna, if someone comes, it's going to be, yes, I it will it'll be confidential, I, but I may have to go to the elders because they've got to an answer to God. They've got to watch over you spiritually and give an answer to you one day. And God knows about it. And the thing is, if you don't bring it out, you're going to trip over your feet at some stage, it's going to come out. That's what I've found anyhow. God always brings it out for your sake because he loves you so much. He will, you'll trip over your feet and out will come the sin. Um, but I feel God wants to set People free this morning. He wants to come wash feet, not physical feet, spiritual feet. We're going to walk out here this morning, folks, with clean feet. All right? Can we all agree on that? Okay. Don't be. Don't say tomorrow, because tomorrow might be too late. God is. It's a now word. God is speaking a word right now, and we need to respond now, because I don't know what tomorrow holds. But if God's put His finger on something in your life that you need to bring out and confess, please do it for Your sake. Yeah, let's, let's, I'll lead you in prayer. Let's just bow our hearts before the Lord. Father, we come to you right now, the loving, gracious God. Your grace, your mercy towards us is unbelievable. You're, you're so patient with us. You're kind. You're gentle. You're not quick to anger. You're not bad-tempered. You're slow to anger, the Bible says. Your word says not wanting anyone to perish, not wanting every one of us to come into a place of freedom. I pray this morning's message, Lord, your word has brought truth to us. There's been imbalance and a wrong theology in our lives, and a wrong understanding of you and your heart and who you are. I pray through your word, Lord, that you brought correction and realignment unto what a gracious God that you are. What a powerful God that you are. Thank you, Lord, that we can find a place, a safe place to come to you and bring our feet to you, Lord. Knowing that you'll wash them, Lord. That picture of Jesus just going down to wash their feet, taking off his outer garment, putting on a towel, humbling, going down to wash their feet. It's not the physical act. It's the heart that he was doing it through. that counts. Lord, come and wash our feet this morning. You taught us how to pray. If you've got to forgive someone this morning, if there's bitterness in your heart, anger in your heart, you feel that thing people have done injustice to you, let it go this morning. It's burning you up. It's killing you. It's destroying you. Let it go. It's going to become sin eventually. If you don't, let it go. It probably is already. Let it go. I find when you put those, the package down, God can then come and bring restoration and bring healing. Healing of your heart. Father, I pray that you heal hearts here this morning. Where there's secrets that we've carried for years, things that have been done against us, or things that we've done, Lord, that we bring it into the light this morning so we can have fellowship with you. This is, if we bring these things into the light, we can have fellowship with one another and with you. Worship you, King Jesus. Where you are right now, just do business with God. Talk to Him. He's listening. The prayers of a righteous person, He listens to them. And you're righteous if you're in Christ Jesus. He's listening this morning. He's listening. Sometimes he gives the listening ear as one of us. It's the outworking of that listening. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, King Jesus.